As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I might ask that this be the watchword or the context that is at our minds, as during this sermon I wish to address the subject of the most recent scandals of clerical sexual abuse, starting most recently with the derogation of the former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick in the grand jury report in Pennsylvania. Yes, to just take a time to understand the context of these wretched, disgusting, horrifying, loathsome events that demand justice, but also not to give in. And this is my goal. I have waited a time to talk about this because, number one, I thought it would be wise to wait until the Holy Father and the bishop of this diocese where I live would address the topic. And then third, because I don't want to give in to what is sometimes called virtue whistling. It is not particularly speaking courageous to point out that something that is obviously bad is bad. It's the logical and just and right thing to do. But I want, don't want to simply give in to that. It is not courageous of me to say that what is evil is evil. What is courageous is people who have been abused to speak out and confront their abuser. I myself have worked in spiritual direction with a number of people who have been sexually abused by their parents, by their teachers, by their coaches, or whatever the case may be, one by a priest, many of whom who they came to a beautiful, admirable, integral healing never found the place where they could confront their abuser. Those who have are courageous. Law enforcement who takes those things seriously are courageous, right? I frankly have had direct encounters where law enforcement, for their own reasons that they thought, did not have the courage to confront these things. So those who do, you know, I've read these people about, well, the eternal attorney general in Pennsylvania has this agenda and that. Maybe so, I don't care, right? If they have the justice to confront, that is the righteous thing. Uh, quite frankly, how did this all get rolling? The Cardinal Archbishop of New York, Timothy Dolan, when these things about the former Cardinal McCarrick were presented, took them seriously and addressed them. We had had years of clerics, civil authorities, law enforcement officers in New York and New York who didn't take it seriously. Cardinal Dolan did. The bishops in Pennsylvania, who when this law was changed by the state legislator, made no opposition to it, said, okay, the law has changed, read what you want. Frankly, we live in a diocese where the Bishop of Madison, Robert Charles Molino, has had to deal with this on two occasions. On the first occasion, the civil authorities did absolutely nothing, but the bishop pressed forward that priest was defrocked and cast out of the priesthood. In the second occasion, now the priest accused maintains his innocence, but the Bishop of Madison has him removed from public ministry as he should. So again, I'm not saying that we are the perfect ones here, but we have some standing. Now, in order to not merely virtue whistle, or merely to get, because I don't want to get all fired up and angry, what I thought I would do for the remainder of this sermon to put some context into it is to read to you from an interview given by a German priest in the year 1969. This priest was a professor at one of the prominent universities. He had been a theologian at the Second Vatican Council. And so in the winter of 1969, to give a little context, the Second Vatican Council is over and all of the many things that happened after that, all right? 
Huge numbers of priests left the priesthood. Huge numbers of religious sisters left the convent for various reasons in the wake of all of that. Of course, the student revolts at the universities in 1968 and 69 and all the various clamoring that had happened. And so it was posed to this priest, where do you see the church in the year 2000, right? So 30 years from then, 1969. And here's his response. The future of the church, once again as always, will be reshaped by saints, by people, that is, whose minds probe deeper than the slogans of the day, people who see more than others see because their lives embrace the divine reality. How does all of this affect the problem we are examining? It means that the big talk of those who prophesy a church without God, without faith, is all empty chatter. We have no need of a church that celebrates the cult of action, the cult of ideologies, the cult of political prayers. It is utterly superfluous, therefore it will destroy itself. What will remain is the church of Jesus Christ, the church that believes in the God who has become man and promises us life beyond death. The kind of priest who is no more than a social worker can be replaced by the psychotherapist and the other specialists who are well-trained and intelligent. The priest who is no specialist, who does not stand on the sidelines watching the game, giving official advice, but who, in the name of God, places himself at the disposal of men and women, who is beside them in their sorrows, in their joys, in their hope, in their fears. Such a priest is the one who will be needed in the future. I pause there because in going through all this, I have had an examination of conscience within my own self. Not that I have done any of these grave delicts, you know, God save us, but in my own self. Am I as available radically as I should be? Do I listen in the way that I ought? What attitudes in myself must be reformed? I discussed with the pastoral council in a way that I could expand the mass schedule so the sacraments can be more available to the faithful. I've discussed with the parish staff various ways of communication so I can receive attentively and give myself directly to the needs of the faithful. I've talked with my spiritual director and I'm going to fast every Wednesday and every Friday. Every Wednesday for, feeling, for healing to those who were hurt. Every Friday for my failings and the failings of my brother priests. Not that I'm holier than thou in any sense, but that is the first examination. I mean, being the kind of priest that I need to be. Again, I can claim no perfection, but again, here's where I wish to take a quotation from Bishop Morlino, who has given evidence that he acts rightly in this area. He wrote, and again, his, his letter is broadly available in the diocesan newspaper and on the websites and so forth for you to read. He says, as I have previously said, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote that hatred of wickedness belongs to the virtue of charity. As the book of Proverbs states, my mouth shall mediate truth, my lips shall hate wickedness. It is an act of love to hate sin and to call others away from sin. There must be no room left, no refuge for sin, either within our own lives or within the lives of our communities. To be a refuge for sinners, which we should be, the church must be a place where sinners can turn 
and be reconciled. Yes, in this I speak of all sin, but to be clear, in the specific situations at hand, we are talking about deviant sexual acts by clerics. To know that, and I am very grateful for this in my own instance, not pretend that evil and sin no longer exist in the contemporary age, but that a lot of the vanity and stupidity in the church has been washed out. I was at a seminary, again, people say, well, Father, did this happen in the seminary? Do you know of this sort of secret culture and so forth? I, I don't know anything about it. Here's what I know. When I was in the seminary, I had a number of classmates, right? There were 430 of us at that seminary. That's a lot of guys. I had 30 guys who lived on my floor, trying to just do my best to be a good friend to everyone. Over the course of my five years there, I encountered a number of men, five in particular, who it seemed to me, again, I didn't want to judge, but they didn't seem to sort of discipline themselves very well. Their rooms were rather disorderly. Uh, they weren't at prayers and devotions. They didn't seem to take their studies very seriously, so I thought the solution is I must befriend them and encourage them if they're going to be priests. And again, five of those instances, those men manifested, stated to me directly that they were in the seminary studying to be priests so that they could get ordained and bring scandal to the church. That was their goal. That's what they wanted to do. Each one of those men I confronted directly those who just spat in my face, I went to the rector, they talked with their bishop, they were cast out. Why? Because such things are taken seriously. One of those men whom I confronted, I said, you've got to read the imitation of Christ and save your soul. Two days later, he comes knocking on my doors, weeping like a child. We talked to the rector, we talked to his bishop, he leaves the seminary for two years to do penance, comes back, finishes, and one of the most zealous priests you'll ever meet. So again, number one, don't tell me that there are not men who entered the the clergy in order to destroy the church, because there are, and they must be cast out, called out, rooted out, if they want to convert, great. That's why I say, I don't care if it's a lawyer, or a cop, or whoever, if you speak truth, say it. Now, again, because I don't want to get too fired up, right? I want to return to this interview from the, the German priest. He says, let us go a step further. From the crisis of today, the church of tomorrow will emerge, a church that has lost much. She will become small and will have to start afresh more or less from the beginning. She will no longer be able to inhabit many of the edifices she built in prosperity. As the number of her adherents diminishes, so it will lose many of her social privileges. In contrast to an early age, it will be seen much more as a voluntary society entered into only by free decision. As a small society, it will make much bigger demands on the initiative of her individual members. But, in all the changes at which one might guess, the Church will find her essence afresh and with full conviction in that which was always at her center faith in the triune God, in Jesus Christ, the Son of God made man, in the presence of the Spirit until the end of the world. In faith and prayer she will again recognize the sacraments as the true and righteous worship of God, not as a subject for community, convenience, ideology, or scholarship. And so it seems certain to me that the Church is facing very hard times. The real crisis has scarcely begun 
we will have to count on terrific upheavals. But I am equally certain about that will remain, about that which will remain at the end, not the church of ideology or political cult, which is already dead, but the church of faith. It may no longer be the dominant social power to extent that she was until recently, but will enjoy a fresh blossoming and be seen as humanity's home where we will find life and hope beyond death. For it is the spirit that gives life and the fret which is of no avail. And that is why in peace I strive before God, making my act of contrition before the Mass seriously, going to say the beautiful words, sing the ancient hymns of the Holy Holy. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Thus has it ever been. I can tell you right now, I am not a Catholic. I am not a priest because of any priest I ever knew. I am in the church of God, and I am a priest because I have studied divine revelation. I know that on that altar is the word of God made man, and to where else shall I go? He has the words of eternal life. Shall I go serve the gods behind the rivers or of the foreign lands, of my class, of my ethnicity, of my whatever, my political ideology, and so on and so forth? No. We will serve the Lord. The peace of Christ in the reign of Christ. No doubt there are many evils yet to be confronted. So too are there many joys to be felt. As an old order passes away, what remains is what has always been. The church which has as its center the triune God, Jesus Christ. Who says, will you also go away? And we say, no, Lord, we will not leave we will lead. You have the words of eternal life, and my life is your life to the best of my small ability. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.